welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. Not just high energy in terms of having high energy levels, that is important and everyone wants to feel energetic and enthusiastic and live their life with high energy, but also just the the kind of space we have in our consciousness. And I know when I do my meditations every morning, I focus on several evidence-based practices that really shift our ability to enter those wonderful states of connection with you all it is. And one of those is high. One of those is just moving your consciousness, moving your energy to a high vibration, and then really opening yourself to the highest possible level of connection. So I invite you to try that, experiment with that. And in your meditation practice, if you move into that space, that is a really great invitation to those high energies to come and be with you. One of the other things I talk about in my book, This Brain, is intensity. So not just the highest possible vibrational level, but the greatest possible emotional intensity. My friend Andrew Newberg, who's been on the show several times before, talked about working with a subject and watching his brain scans as he meditated. And he was impressed. This was a seasoned meditator. And as he meditated, various parts of his brain really shifted their function. But then Andrew, on a whim, said to him, try intensifying the experience. And what Andrew found was that when this man intensified the experience, his brain function changed radically. And he went into the state of deep peace and all kinds of really powerful shifts happened inside the anatomy and the physiology of his brain. Andrew then did a study and found that as we feel those feelings intensely, as we dial them up, we literally not only feel high, we feel high quicker because we're building those parts of our brain. So I invite you to be in that high energy every single day. Treat yourself to that meditative pause every morning. Start your day that way. Frame your day with bliss, awe, joy, gratitude, and all those other pro-social emotions. They really make a huge difference. And life is as it is, but the kind of frame you bring to your life and life as it is makes all the difference. So welcome to High Energy Health. I am so glad (laughs) that you're making sharing this wonderful moment with us part of your day. My guest today is Ellen Meredith. Ellen's been on the show before, and she's the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, and also The Language Your Body Speaks. She has been in practice since 1984 as an energy healer, conscious channel, a medical intuitive, and she's helped over 10,000 clients and students worldwide. As an energy medicine practitioner, Ellen helps clients engage with the body's energies to activate their inner healing. She also teaches energy medicine courses on the Shift Network and has served on the faculty of Eden Energy Medicine pioneer Donna Eden's workshops since 2010. Ellen, it's wonderful to have you here. 
Thank you, Dawson. I'm really happy to be back and to be speaking with you and to be speaking to all your listeners. Yeah, it's good to have you. And there are so many really practical tips and techniques in your book. I didn't realize actually until I read your bio a moment ago that you've been doing this since 1984. That's a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I counted up recently and I thought, whoa, well, then no wonder, because I've worked with over 10,000 people. And, you know, not that I'm counting every day, but, you know, I, I was able to kind of look back and say, it's been an amazing journey. I have learned so much from every single person I've been privileged to work with and interact with. And I think I come away from it with an awareness that we are all so different and so unique and so spectacular in our own ways. And I think part of my work is to just help people discover their own fabulosity you know, their own (laughs) (laughs) wonderful truth in nature and know that it's different, that there's no generic out there that they're trying to match, that we are each our own instrument. So, And, you know, books like yours to help us understand that, realize that, and then it gets sensitive to our body's energy flows. And again, there is no one size fits all, but you knowing how your energy flows is so important because if you know that, you then can approach your life intelligently. You can set up your life to where it will work for you, both materially and energetically. And more importantly, know when your energy is off (laughs) And let's face it, everyone else knows when our energy is off. (laughs) My wife knows for sure, Ellen. (laughs) Right, right. Everyone around us can tell. So it's good to notice for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Then you can also be preemptive. Like if you know the little signs that you're going off track energetically, then you don't have to wait till it becomes a big, huge mess before you take action. Right. You know, I was thinking this morning of just a, a sort of what if scenario. Like what if you woke up and all of a sudden nobody understood you. You went to talk to the people in your family or your neighbors. Nobody could understand you. Some of them can't even see you. You know, what would you do? I mean, most of us, we'd be talking louder (laughs) and we'd be just pushing, pushing, pushing to be heard, to be seen. And we'd get louder and louder and more and more desperate. And I sort of feel like that's what our bodies do with us. It's like we're not taught in our culture to listen to our bodies, to understand their language, which is the language of subtle energy, and to communicate with them in their own language. And they do get more and more desperate and more and more freaked out trying to communicate important information to us and trying to be seen and trying to be felt and heard. So both of these books are focused on how do you speak the language your body speaks? How do you get fluent in what your body's trying to speak to you? And how do you build that relationship of communication so that your body doesn't have to shout at you with symptoms, with illness, with events that go horribly wrong and with all these blockages and traumas that won't clear because nobody's home. You're not there in real communication with the instrument. What a great analogy. Imagine not being heard, not being listened to. And, you know, at the beginning, the very first chapter of Your Body Will Show You the Way, you talk about the body as a source of guidance. And it's so interesting because most people are looking for guidance from the media. They're looking for guidance from somewhere outside of themselves, from a coach, from a therapist. They're looking for guidance from books and programs. And it's really ironic that you talk about in your book how it's right there at the level of the body. Right. And you know, a lot of people, when we think about guidance or inner guidance, we think of like a 
message in our head. Like, I don't know if you knew that oh, that children's toy called the Magic 8 Ball, and you would shake it, and a little message would come up. It would be like a little, you know, you are good today <laughs> kind of message. And I think we treat inner guidance as this voice that tells us, go left, go right. But it, in reality, every fiber of our being is part of the guidance system, and it's built in everywhere. It, it, the body, mind, and spirit are constantly communicating with each other using the language of energy and signaling what needs to happen to co-create this amazing, unique self that you are. And if we can't participate in that conversation and tune, not just tune into it to hear it, but if we can't understand how to be an actual participant in the conversation, then any guidance we get is already distorted. You know, a voice in our head that says, do this or that's bad, it gets distorted by the fact that we can't assess through the whole instrument whether that is in fact our whole truth. And right now, I think people are very confused because there's so many alternate facts coming at us from everywhere and studies and this is and that's. And we don't have that grounding in our own wisdom to assess the truth of it for us and for our choices at all levels of our being. And so there are lots of energy medicine practices that can bring you into a fuller ability to encounter the guidance system besides just getting instructions, go left, go right, like a GPS. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you have lots of exercises in your books that we can use practically to make us aware of that. You also talk about inside-out thinking versus outside-in thinking, and that's a really powerful frame for tuning in that inner guidance. Absolutely. Our culture is very much focused on outside-in thinking. And, you know, if you want to know something, you know, what's the first thing you do? You go Google it on the internet and see what someone else said, right? Or what someone else thought. We usually don't go inward to say, well, what's my truth? What do I know? But beyond that, we're taught to see ourselves as if from outside, as if other, you know, how other people see us rather than what our own experience feels like and what our own choices mean to us. So it has been probably 10,000 years of very top down outside in power over energy and thinking. And now we're going through a sea change and we're really experiencing I think an awakening and what's rising is what I call empowered yin. It's the ability to tune in and find out what's right for you and but in relationship to what's right for humanity. It's not a yin is often seen as passive, but empowered yin is like the yin of a mother who's giving birth and that's not a passive thing at all. And so we're being asked to cultivate our inner knowing, our inner guidance and our ability to navigate our lives from the inside out. And it's a real shift. It's a real change in how we think about everything. And in that chapter, if I can go a little longer with my answer, I kind of look at six different areas. Where do I get my information from? Where and how do I get my gratification? Am I gratified because other people approve of it or other people think it's important? Or am I gratified by the, the action itself? How do I address or approach a problem? The outside in focus looks at what's the result? Am I getting the results I want? But the inside out focus says, well, what's the journey? Because when I'm dead, I'm not taking the results with me. I'm not taking the bank account. I'm not taking the resume. I'm taking the enrichment that my soul has experienced here, the journey. And it asks, what evidence do I most readily accept? Where do we get our evidence? 
And too often, you know, in our culture, in our times, it's science. At other times, it was the church or it was other authorities always outside ourselves. So how do I locate that inner evidence that can at least balance the conversation? What questions do I ask? And then what makes me feel secure and safe? So I go into all of that with a little more detail and it helps people start to understand what I mean by inside out rather than just saying it. Because usually we say things and then it's like, well, how do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so struck by that. People do look for answers from the outside and from experts and from friends and from the media. And often those are, I mean, they may have some value to gather the information, but then what is your inner sense? What is your inner integrity telling you? And we're not used to doing that. We're not used to seeking those sources of information. So when somebody, say, is hearing this and contemplating this for the very first time, Ellen, that there is a possibility that their body can be the source of wisdom for them, but then they they close their eyes, they tune into their body, they feel their aches and pains, they feel their emotional upheavals, they feel... (laughs) all of these random impulses, random sensations. How do you find that maelstrom of information? How do you discover what's true guidance? Okay, well, first of all, I think that we don't look for the right answer. We don't go in saying, what's the end result of the conversation? We go in and engage in dialogue. And there are pieces to it. It's not like, you know, if you were to go study with a guru, you're not going to go and say, okay, just tell me the right answer. I don't want to, I don't want to learn anything. I don't want to grow. I don't want to evolve. I just want to know what's the meaning of life. You know, I mean, and that's kind of what we do to our body. So when we want to go inward and get guidance, first of all, we have to ask better questions. And most of us in our culture, the primary question is what's wrong? And how can I fix it? You go to the doctor and, you know, you want the diagnosis. What's wrong and how can you fix it? We need to shift that question to what's going on and how can I participate in it, support it and positively influence it. And when you ask that question and you go inward, what's going on right now and how can I support what's needed? The body will show you or something will come to you. It might come as a thought. It might come as a sensation. It might come as an emotion or just direct knowing. It might come as a vision or hearing something in your head or tasting or feeling something. It'll come through all of your senses. And it is a process that sometimes has to be learned if we're so used to only listening to what outer voices tell us about our inner reality or about us. And I've got lots and lots of wonderful explorations. Let me give you a little, should I give you a little exercise that people can do on the radio? Yeah, we have three minutes left. So go ahead, go for it. Okay. So imagine that you want to know where you have a headache and you want to know where is this coming from? Give me insights into this headache. You can call up a little sniffer dog like they have at the airport, you know, the ones that sniff for (laughs) contraband and they look for drugs. You can call up a little sniffer dog and say, okay, Bowser, show me where this is. Show me where this comes from and set that dog loose to go look in your body, maybe in your mind, maybe in your whole life to show you what's the origin place where I can start to work with this headache. And Bowser will take you right there. And it doesn't even have to be a dog. It can be any kind of sniffer animal. But it's just a little tool that takes you out of that right answer brain, which, you know, I think a lot of us are just addicted to. I don't want, I want, I don't want trial and error. I don't want experience. I just want the right answer so I can get on with it. And often the headache is the invitation to go into a bigger dialogue about how am I constructing my reality and myself? How am I living my truth? And how well am I living my truth? Am I listening to the music of my soul and all of that? So it's not about getting rid of the headache. When we let go of that outcome and say, I need to understand and, and it build 
relationship, we have a whole different experience of guidance. And then it starts coming in rich and full, and we can use our full imagination to get as much detail as, as we want. And like any relationship you develop, if you develop the relationship with your guidance, with your body, it becomes stronger if you are listening to it. So your body isn't having to yell at all. It right. knows that it has to whisper to you and you will then take action and pay attention. So yeah, it's powerful to do that and to whatever analogy works for you. It could be the dog, could be some other form of visualization, but actually be proactive and use those senses of that inner sensing to find out what wisdom is emerging from your inner experience rather than looking for solutions, answers, immediate fixes from the outside. That's really powerful. I'm going to go to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. And for more on Ellen Meredith's books and more on her work, go to her website, ellenmeredith.com. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. I just love sharing with you week after week on the show all the available tools, the techniques, the insights you have to dramatically improve your life. Most of us are living in a little subset of who we can be, what our potential is. And our job as adults is to heal our past, is to break out of those limited boxes and become everything we can be. And I know I'm dedicated on the show to helping you see the possibilities for you. So make notes, apply these techniques and see what it produces in your own life. My guest today is Ellen Meredith, and more about her work can be found at her website, ellenmeredith.com. Ellen, in the book, you talk about reframing, and also you have many, many case histories. I'd love to have you explain that concept to us. I think it's a very powerful one. It shows that we have the power to decide how we view what happens, and then share stories about people who applied this as well. Okay, yeah, I'd like to tell the story that that concept came out of for me, the aha moment I had years ago. There was a woman named Anne who went over to Asia and was visiting sacred sites of the Buddha, in particular Kuan Yin, the feminine form of the Buddha. It was a sacred pilgrimage, and she was a very dedicated Buddhist, and she came home and pretty quickly developed a very red, itchy rash down in her private parts. And she was trying to sort of stay in her bliss around her encounters <laughs> with Kuan mean and enjoy, you know, the, the deepening that she'd had in her practice. But instead, she had this red, itchy situation, which she started to call the plague because she was having so much trouble with it. And she went to see, you know, doctors in tropical medicine. And she went to see, get information from other doctors. She went to an acupuncturist and she went to several practitioners and nobody knew what to do. And they said, try this, try that, try the other. And it just wasn't working. And it came and went, but it was there a lot. So, one day she said, what do I know? What do I have in my toolkit that will get me a different result? She said, well, maybe I can use my Buddhism. And you know how in Chinese, those puzzles, this is spoiler alert, I'm going to give the uh, solution to the puzzle. You know those straw tubes that people have and you stick your fingers in both ends of the tube and then they get stuck? And the solution to that, instead of pulling to get your fingers out, you push and that releases your fingers. And she said, I need to stop pulling against this thing and I need to push inward and really learn from it. And, and I've got to stop calling it the plague. I have to start seeing it as a teacher. So that was the, her first reframe. And she said, and I can't call it the plague because... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be insulted. So she said, okay, to her red angry thing, what shall I call you? And she tuned in and the name that came up that the thing called itself, she said, call me Blanche, which I think is hilarious because Blanche means white in French. And so she said, okay, Blanche, I'm not here to get rid of you. I'm here to learn from you. So what can you show me about yourself? What can you teach me? And so what she did was she made a commitment to get to know Blanche and to get the message and learn from her. And so every time the red angry Blanche would show up, she'd stop and say, oh, Blanche, here you are. What can I do for you? And if she was making a meal and Blanche showed up and she'd say, Blanche, what's going on? She'd say, I don't want that food. The Anne would make a different meal. And if she was all ready to go to a party, Blanche would show up. Blanche, what do you need? And, you know, she'd take off her party clothes and stay home with Blanche. That took about two or three weeks. And at about the three week mark, Blanche was gone, never return again. Why? Because Anne had engaged in real dialogue with the real situation and not this imaginary plague that she didn't know what to do about. So there's several things in that story that I learned from the story. One is that names carry a lot of baggage. Okay, if I tell you you have cancer, you're probably gonna go, oh my God, no! You know, because we have so much baggage associated with the name, even though it's a name for many, many different illnesses. You know, it's not just one thing. It's like the last name Smith. <laughs> and so if we use the name that is assigned by society, what comes with it is all the associations, all the expectations, and then we're treating that thing and we're not responding to our body. We're saying, what do I do about cancer? Not what do I do about Blanche? who's here now. So asking it for a name gives it something fresh. And usually your intuition or your subconscious self will come up with a, a really interesting name that will give you insights into what the problem is. And then, so once you've got that, you want to dialogue with it. I mean, when you meet a new person, you don't say, okay, I've got one minute with you. Tell me everything I need to know about your, <laughs> you know, we just don't do that. And what we know about relationship, we have to bring to relating to our own body situations because it's a communication about the dynamic between body, mind, and spirit. So the reframe is to find a way to work with it that doesn't put us in the victim seat or doesn't put us in a hopeless situation. If I call it plague, I don't know how to heal the plague, but Blanche can teach me. And so we really need to understand if your husband leaves and you say, my husband dumped me, you're putting yourself in the victim seat. Now I'm a victim. If you say, my husband felt like he needed to move on to other things and I'm having to regroup and reclaim myself in response, then you've got something you can work with. So I have this chapter called Rename, Reframe, Reclaim, all about this process of reclaiming the authorship of your life by encountering it on its own terms rather than the terms assigned by the outside-in culture that may or may not fit you. And if do we have a moment to try it or are we running low on time? We'll do it in the next segment. Okay. And it's just so powerful because you're right, it does give it a chance to speak to us rather than us trying to surprise press it'll make it go away. And again, just that kind of perspective is really powerful and empowering. So it's a whole different relationship you're setting up with that as your teacher than would be the case if you're trying to make it go away and suppress it. Like I look at the word painkiller. We take painkillers to kill our pain so that we are not able to learn once we put it in that box of something I want to make it. I want to murder this thing. Right. <laughs> so right. our body really doesn't have to talk to us loudly, but it's powerful to then be in dialogue with it, respect it, and then be able to learn the messages, right. the wisdom it has for us. So we'll go to a break and after a break, we'll come back. We'll do that little exercise. Thanks again. You're listening to High Energy Health. And again, for more on Ellen's work, go to her website, ellenmeredith.com. We'll be right back.
Hello, and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and I just love sharing with you week by week all of the amazing practices there are, all the scientific breakthroughs that have appeared in the last few years, and all the practices you can use in your own life to make your life dramatically better, to let go of your of your limitations, and to call forth your highest potential. We are human beings of enormous potential, and living that potential, unlocking that potential, removing the obstacles to that potential is our big job in life. So I look forward to sharing this with you every single week. Make sure you make high energy health part of your space, your space of consciousness, your space of learning, the place you go to for that inspiration and those practical tools you can use. And for more about Ellen's work, go to her website, ellenmeredith.com, ellenmeredith.com. So Ellen, go ahead and walk us through that practice we can use to make ourselves aware of those messages. Okay. So first of all, you need to call up or think about some issue that you want to address. And it may or may not be a diagnosed disease. So maybe you've got a chronic illness of some sort. Maybe you have a chronically annoying pain. Maybe you've got an issue in your relationship. You know, it's not even in your body. It's in your marriage or, or at work. And whatever you call it, put that name aside and ask it to give you a name. Now you're not assigning it a name. You're saying, you're talking to it and saying, okay, situation, give me a name. And it might be like a person's name, like Fred or, or Myra, or it might be some funny word. So just tune in a second and ask for a name. Okay. And I'm not giving you a lot of time. Often what comes right to mind is right. And often we reject it because it's not noble enough or it's not glorious <laughs> enough. It's something stupid like, you know, Alvin the chipmunk. And that's fine because often our wiser self and our deepest knowing will activate our humor and our playfulness and our delight in order to allow us to move. Because when we're working, we're often very heavy and tight. But when we're playing, we're willing to experiment and move and change. So ask whatever it was, let's say its name was Fred. Ask this new, newly named part of you, what do you need right now? And just tune in. And again, just it should be something quick and easy. Now, you know, if Fred said, I need to set up a 5013K pro plan, probably that's your brain kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when we get that kind of guidance, it's I need to breathe. I need some water. I need to straighten my spine. I need to stretch. I need some chocolate. It's something very immediate and direct, usually. And it will give you a bunch of those instructions to get you somewhere else rather than I'm going to give you the whole picture at once. So if you got some little thing, can you provide it in some way? And I'd like to just give a little energy medicine exercise right now that you can use if you can't think of what to do for Fred is I'd like you to go to that area of your body or life and just ask yourself, what color, Fred, what color are you feeling today? What, what do you look like right now? What color are you? And then ask Fred what color he'd like to have surrounding him, you know, as if Fred needs an aura and what color do you want to fill Fred with? And then see what comes. And then take that color and take your paintbrush. I usually use gesture. I don't just use visualization and imagination. I use gesture. I actually literally pick up something with that color to cover, you know, if it's a sore knee to cover sore Fred. So, you know, bring that color to your named, your newly named situation as a response to what they asked for. And maybe they didn't ask for color. Maybe they wanted, you know, something else. But just see what happens when you bring something as simple as a desired color to that area. Do you want to say anything, Dawson? I don't know if you were doing it with us about that for you. 
Yeah, I was. And my lower back is my messenger. And so I asked for her its name and it said Harry. I don't know what Harry means, but it just said Harry. And then when I asked for color, it was yellow. Neither of those was anything I was expecting. And then it asked for just more times in the day just to pause and take a breath. And the color that I got was turquoise. And then as I visualized turquoise, I felt as though I was breathing in turquoise, the turquoise was going to my lower back. Uh huh. And how's Harry feeling? Did Harry feel like he got what he asked for? Harry does feel happy. I'm listening to him and not trying to make him go away. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's a test. Harry just wants, you know, wants to see if you're going to respond before he asks for something more. And sometimes that's exactly what Harry needs is yellow and or turquoise. And what you can do, those of you out there who had names that you don't understand, is with time you can unpack it. Like what are your associations with the word Harry? Well, to me, it just it's a very ordinary name. Like it isn't, as you're mentioning, grand, noble. It isn't William the Conqueror. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. It's a very mundane thing. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I associate with Harry is like the phrase big hairy deal. Like when I was a kid, it's like it's not a big hairy deal. So it's that sense of over over focus or over worry about something. I associate that with the word Harry. But play with it because it can also be a homonym. It can also be, you know, Harry. Krishna, you know, whatever you personally might associate, it will come up for you, you know, over the next few days, all the ways that Harry maybe is significant as a name for you and that part of your being. Yeah, thank you so much. I also thought of several other things I can apply this to. So I'm going to go ahead and definitely have fun with this one. In fact, you talk in the book a lot about play, just playing with this, playing with that, playing with the next thing. And that moves this whole energy conversation out of this really heavy duty, got to get it right, got to follow the instructions kind of approach to let's just play with all this, play with energy, play with our well-being, play with those messages. Right. I feel that a lot of our lives, we're almost in prison to our focus on results. I name my results. I have to get them. I have to stay focused or I won't get to what I've determined I want to get to. And so much we miss in just the journey and in the play and in the experience of it. And so I think that, and plus our natures play. I mean, I have cats and they're not so young anymore. They still play. Animals play. And I think it's because they can be directly experiential. And many of us have lost our ability to be directly experiential. We get our gratification from finishing our task that we set out to do and maybe even getting the rewards for it. You know, maybe the gratification only comes when we earn the money or or get the recommendation or something. And it's not even the finishing. But for many of us, we love the finishing, but we don't love every single step of getting there. And when you live your life in that grim kind of dictatorship where you must you must produce or you don't count, then we can't recognize that we're living, breathing human experiences here. You know, I, I'd like to think of life a little like Disneyland, that we come and, you know, we don't have to accomplish a list of what rides we're going to ride. We get to ride and have fun. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, there's a little bit of value added, like if you're a birder and you have a list, there's value added. Oh, look, I saw a new kind of bird. But if you only do it to add to your list and you don't enjoy seeing the birds, then why are we doing it? And and it creates illness, that shift focus on the outcomes and the results and that external gratification stuff robs us of our ability to participate in our own dynamics and enjoy them and be fully alive. And it creates illness. 
it creates illness. Yeah. Wow. Those are profound ideas and words. I thank you. That's just a great, again, frame through which to see all this. Ellen, I want to cover a few more things in our next segment. And we're going to go and zoom out and talk about the last, about the big picture in the last segment. And if you'd like to know more about Ellen's work, go to her website, ellenmeredith.com. I'm Dawson Church. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. Thanks for making High Energy Health a part of your day. It can make you feel much, much better to fill your mind with great music, great messages, great inspiration, great shows, great wisdom. And that's what you're doing. You're saying to yourself by being here, I am important enough to show up for myself. I'm important enough to bathe my consciousness in positive messages like the ones you find here at High Energy Health. So you just being here, just showing up as an affirmation of your own self-worth and your own gift to yourself. So I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you're doing that for you. And I invite you to join me here each week. It's so powerful to make that part of your routine. One thing that's really frankly shocked me in the last few years since the pandemic began is just how worried upset, dysregulated people in our community are are getting. I know I had one meditation teacher, a very close friend of mine, call me up and I, I teach meditation, I teach EFT tapping. But this this friend of mine, I was on the phone with her and one of her friends, who was a really well-known meditation teacher, had committed suicide. And he had been struggling with a few things and he'd been de- dealing with depression and other impacts on his life. And then it just became too much overwhelming and he just committed suicide. And she was shaken to the core by that. And even least less extreme examples, like I did a whole bunch of group calls at the start of the pandemic, and people were so afraid, even in our community, who you think would have all of these inner resources, they still were pushed off base, off balance by them more than I would expect. And, you know, it hasn't stopped. I mean, just every year, there are things to worry about, things that concern us. And it seems as though people are, are more worried about the world than they've ever been before. How do you use energy healing? energy perspective to deal with those sort of global worries about the way the world is? Well, that's an excellent question. And that's why I wrote wrote this book. It's called Your Body Will Show You the Way, but the subtitle is Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. And I think first we have to understand the nature of change right now, that this isn't about things falling apart or, you know, the dangers in the world. They've always been there, but we're really going through a shift from of how we live on the planet and who we are as human beings. You know, I call it a sea change. And I'm not the only woo-woo out there to predict this. You know, everybody's saying this is a 10,000-year-old change. But what my teachers have said about it, my inner teachers, is that as this empowered yin rises and we we can key into our shared humanity better, our consciousness is changing. We're waking up. And you know how when your leg falls asleep, And when it first wakes up, it hurts like heck because you've got pins and needles everywhere. I mean, I think that's what we're experiencing socially, the pins and needles of awakening. And 
we're moving from a way of thinking that's very binary, very dark light, left, right, you know, opposites, and it's either or thinking. And what we're being asked to cultivate or needing to cultivate is what I call spherical thinking, which is a both and kind of inclusive thinking where you can hold multiple realities and points of view at once. And I can illustrate this kind of quickly. If you think of a line where you have dark and light on one end, each end of the line, they seem like opposites. But if you put them on a circle, like the circle of the sun in the day, it becomes every version of dark, 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 light, 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 and everything in between. And it's not opposites anymore. And then if you take that circle and rotate it into a sphere, what you realize is if it's dark here in California, it's probably light in Australia or somewhere else on the globe and everything in between. And so you become aware of the interrelationships of all possibilities, not in an overwhelming sense, but in a recognition of the fact that we have to find ways to harmonize our different realities and not get into fights over, is it dark or is it light? Is it left or is it right, etc. But what happens when we wake up, like when your tooth, when you get a new tooth as a child, you know, it hurts like heck, your gums get all swollen, but we want the tooth. You know, the tooth is a good thing. We don't want to get rid of the tooth. We have to understand the eruption that comes before the emergent. And we're in a time of real emergent of consciousness. And it's making all of us really grumpy and sore and restive and wishing we could suck on ice cubes and cool it all down. <laughs> you know? And even those people who have lots of tools. And what I believe is if we need to evolve our instruments to handle this new consciousness. It's, you know, we're, our whole body is wired for either or thinking. For binary and polarity. You know, there's all the energetic polarities in the body. So what I do in the book is I offer lots and lots of energy medicine exercises and techniques that have to evolve you past that polarity communication, not just in your brain, but in your energies so that your energies can handle more stability, more spherical stability. And even in one of the first chapters, I teach an exercise called anchoring in the stabilizing sphere that takes us past just grounding in the planet because the planet's pretty shaken right now. Mother Earth is pretty upset. And if you're going to ground in her, you're going to be pretty upset too, just like she is. So it's an energy medicine exercise that anchors you in the multiple dimensions and gives you much more of a robust instrument and energy balance to work from. So the old tool tools that we had, even of meditation and breath, they're still valid, but we need to evolve some new ways of working to shift the framework of what we're trying for and how we deploy ourselves, how we use energies and how we work with the inner dynamics to recognize that we are literally affected by lots of things that happen all around the planet because like the bees and the dolphins and the trees, we have a swarm mentality. We have that collective consciousness and we've tuned it out for so long and now it, it's rising like that tooth. It's emerging within us and saying, you can't ignore me anymore. You know, it gets harder and harder to trash the planet knowing that you're trashing your own air and people are waking up. But what always happens in a change is we revert back to the, you know, insistence on the old ways. Even if we didn't like the old ways, it, it felt secure because the part of us that doesn't like change, which I call your gatekeeper, hate, you know, will fight against it. But I, I have a whole couple chapters on how do you evolve your gatekeeper to support and accept and work with change in a positive way.
Yeah. So as you do that, as you evolve your own gatekeeper, you're also aware of those gatekeepers there are in the culture, in the mass consciousness, in our our large-scale events, and you realize that we are in that evolutionary process. We are shifting. I know for me, meditation too is so powerful because when I am doing things in the outside world, I'm involved there, I'm reading information, and I'm, I'm engaged laterally. But when you engage vertically and you spend some time every morning, you tune into the all it is, you tune into those higher levels, then that never changes. There's love there. There's gratitude there. There's awe there. There's joy there. So now you're tuning into the news of the universe every day, every morning. And then that's the filter. That's the frame from which you see everything going on outside of you. So there's the the unchanging out there. There's also the changing over here. And if you root yourself in the unchanging, then the outer changes are really something you simply observe rather than than really impinging on you as a human being. Absolutely. And I, I love meditation. And I've had thousands of clients who say they can't meditate. And one of the things that I have tried to do in the book is provide additional activities you can do either to bridge your meditation time and your living time. Because, you know, when you're sitting on your cushion, it gets so clear and you go out to the grocery store and all of a sudden it's a lot less clear. (laughs) And so how do we use energy medicine moment by moment throughout our day to keep that awareness alive in us or to wake it up if we're not meditators? If we can't sit on the cushion, what are some of our other options for awakening? that awareness. And there's a, you know, the whole book addresses that as well. Yeah, there are many things we can do. And there are so many practices you have in your body will show you the way that you can use that you can implement these concepts and principles, and then just start to play with your energies, play with your your being, play with your life. And then suddenly, it all becomes a lot lighter. And Ellen, you know, as I've talked to you in the past, as I've, as I've been around you, you really are one of those light beings, light people. So thank you for embodying what it is you teach. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, when you get a lot of playtime, it turns out it makes you kind of happy. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, life becomes play. Life becomes a really happy experience and all the stuff's going on out there. But again, that inner directedness you talk about then means you are living from the inside out. That's your reality. And then stuff is going on in the outside world. That's not where the source of your behavior, your activity, your thinking is. It's that inner world. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And again, Ellen's website is Ellen Meredith. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of High Energy Health. Make this part of your regular playtime. Make it part of your inner resources. Come laugh with us. Come learn with us. And again, implement these ideas, practice these things in your life. And you really will see that you have an enormous amount of leverage over your sense of happiness, over your health, over your mental and emotional well-being. And life can be a glorious experience. So thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next week. All the best. Till then. 